Hey folks, uh, my name is Greg DeMay, one of the pastors here. Uh, it's my honor and privilege to be able to share the gospel with you today. Uh, the good news is Jesus is inviting us to come to him. God is inviting you to receive Jesus' love, no doubt about it. The bad news is that school starts in two and a half weeks. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's almost July, right? And uh, man, all our local schools open up in mid-August these days. Uh, so for the next few weeks here at Elmhurst CRC, with the beginning of school in mind, and as our whole community kind of turns our focus to our kids and young people, uh, we're going to listen to what the gospel says to all of us, young and old alike, directing us to have a childlike faith, to, in essence, act like a kid. Um, with all these new beginnings, as August approaches, my thoughts turned a handful of times this week to Rev, our uh, recently retired lead pastor. Um, I know Rev would be very excited this week. Rev, if you're watching, hey, uh, miss you, love you. Um, I know Rev is thinking about Bears Training Camp in Bourbonnais, Illinois. This is true. I promise I will not talk about football too much. Uh, but here's what happens at Bears training camp. It's like the quarterbacks get together, the offensive line gets together, the linebackers get together, the wide receivers get together and hone in and focus on their craft. And the reason I mention that is because today is going to be spiritually receiver camp for all of us, okay? The word today is receiver that Jesus would have for us. Jesus wants us to be childlike, not childish, right? God is the giver of all good things, and if he is the giver, we are the receivers of his kindness and mercy and grace. And as it turns out, kids are first-class receivers, the best receivers among us, and Jesus wants all of us, even if you're 92 sitting here today, he wants you to learn from the youngest among us. Here's what the gospel says in Luke chapter 18. These words, if you come here often, should sound familiar. We read them pretty much every time we baptize a young child in this congregation. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Now, this is ambiguous. I'm hoping they rebuked the parents and not the babies. You know what I mean? That would be really mean to rebuke babies. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, and if we could all be the voice of our Lord together, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Here's the situation, friends. Jesus has been preaching and teaching all around Israel for a while at this point. He has been healing folks left and right. He has been living like the Messiah because that is who he is. And certainly local parents had an idea something like this. If this rabbi Jesus is doing so much good in the world... Why not bring my little child, my baby, and that's the Bible's word here, my baby, to this rabbi? What if Jesus could just say a word or blessing or touch my child's head? I mean, maybe they would be good for life. 
charmed for life. Jesus' disciples are not thinking along these same lines. Jesus, a grown-up male disciples, rebuke these parents. I mean, this is still how we think, unfortunately, in our worser moments. I'm too busy. Our rabbi is too busy for this, for these little kids. I mean, he has important things to do, powerful people to talk to, grown-ups to change their hearts and minds. Jesus' disciples are convinced that babies are not all that important and that this opportunity for a quality moment with some infants would surely be a waste of the Lord's time. Now, I confess, uh, I studied music in, in college, and almost all the music classes I took, save one, was geared to playing music for grown-ups. Only one class in all my studies was about how to include kids musically, or the kind of melodies that small children are naturally attracted to. When I went to seminary, it was the same deal. I had maybe one class, maybe two, that touched on how to really reach out appropriately on kid levels and share the good news with kids. Everything else for four solid years, class after class after class, is focused on old people, (laughs) right? How to serve grown-ups, how to communicate with grown-ups, how to lead grown-ups. This seems a significant oversight. And here's why I say it. Once we get to be in our early 20s, I mean, man, it's hard to get anybody over the age of 22 to change their mind about almost anything. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is why we argue and fight and how, I mean, why there's never going to be any, like, holding hands and politically singing kumbaya together. Like, it's, it's not going to happen. It is so hard to change the mind of a grown-up. I mean, not impossible, <laughs> but it's really difficult. Little kids? Oh, my goodness, they're sponges for knowledge, for experience. They are always open and receiving, for better or for worse, whatever life or parents or their culture is pouring into them. So um, we probably have a lot of high schoolers in the room who are taking Spanish right now. I mean, if you go to one of our local high schools, by the time you graduate, probably you have three or four years of Spanish. I mean, whether that's your gig or not, like, it's okay. Some of us are good at that. Some of us are bad at that. But if Spanish is not uh, the language of your house, if you haven't heard your grandparents or parents speak it, like, even after three or four years of high school Spanish, your Spanish is, I hate to say it, like, mediocre at best. Anybody? Amen? (laughs) All right. If you take a three-year-old who has never heard Spanish and put them in a Spanish-speaking environment or house, four months later, they will sound exactly like their house parents or whoever is taking care of them. I mean, they can learn, this three-year-old, in four months more than any grown-up in the room without even trying. Isn't that humbling? Why do we think we're so smart and intelligent? We grown-ups. Jesus knew this about children. And I think 
in this gospel passage. He loves this about children, how open and receptive the minds of kids are. I mean, the level of brain plasticity. Can I say that? Brain plasticity, like their brains are shifting and forming and networking. Oh, incredible and awesome, especially compared to us old people. With this in mind, Jesus flips the script on his disciples in this gospel story. And not only does he welcome babies, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, but Jesus mentions how these babies are actually stellar examples of how to be with him. And isn't this what we want, to be with God? The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God belongs to such as their parents. Nope. The kingdom of God belongs to such as my 12 disciples. Nope. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these babies. Jesus welcomes these tiny children who are not even old enough to know that they need him. Did you catch this? This is saying quite something. Like these small babies do not have a rational view of the world and the universe left. They don't know they need Jesus. Might it be fair to say that our Lord welcomes folks, babies, who do not know that they need him? Hmm. Or just to shift it a little bit, Jesus welcomes folks, thank God, who do not know how much they need him. I am in that group. I mean, the older I get, the more I understand about myself, my behavior, my own mix of motives, the more I conclude, oh my goodness, I need Jesus. As you age, I hope you're having that experience. If you age, if you're having the opposite experience, hey, the older I get, the more I realize, like, God really likes me. That's kind of true because I'm such a good person. That is spiritually dangerous. Thank God that Jesus welcomes folks who have no idea how much they really need him. We tend to differentiate among people. Too young, too old, too tall, too techie, too smart, whatever. Jesus does exactly the opposite. And then Jesus says the most remarkable thing. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. I like to imagine that even though there were a score of kids around, that everybody got quiet like we just did. Like, this is a heavy statement. Notice the verb in this sentence. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Jesus tells his disciples that if they want to be part of his kingdom, his group, his thing, they actually need to learn an important lesson, an internally significant lesson from these babies. And then Jesus lets 
We disciples know the precise quality about small children that we are to imitate. Are we supposed to smile like a child? Have chubby cheeks like a child? Have cute, wispy hair like a child? Nope. Cry like a child? Nope. Receive. Receive like a child. Put your finger in the palm of a baby and what happens? They latch on. Touch an infant on the cheek and what happens? They will begin to suck a little bit because they think food is coming. Wrap up a newborn in a blanket and they will snuggle in. Like little kids know how to receive whatever you bring their way. Do any of these activities to your, a random adult? And I guarantee they will step back and say, what is wrong with you? Right? Put your finger in the hand of one of your coworkers. Touch them on the cheek. Wrap them in a blanket. <laughs> What's wrong with you? But with babies, this is the point, babies are first-class receivers. Food? Yup. Physical touch and affection? Accepted. Warmth? Being held? A good blanket? We'll take it, say the babies. Give a kid a present on Christmas morning and watch their eyes light up in playful abandon. Give a generous gift to a grown-up and watch them awkwardly calculate the differential between that great gift and the stinky one that they bought for you. We grown-ups are horrible at receiving freely gifts and kindness and grace. This is especially spiritually dangerous for the nicest people among us. Really nice people are so good at being nice and have such a hard time receiving niceness in their direction. But this is a problem because we profess that the ultimate difference maker in the universe and in our personal redemption and healing is God's freely given grace. And if we can't receive the kindness of our friend or family member or neighbor, that's like training wheels for being a receiver. How are we going to receive the immense gift, the real thing that comes from God's good hand? Just a week ago, I was in an ice cream store with my oldest sister who genuinely is the nicest person in my family and like the nicest person in the world. I mean, she serves as a missionary in Turkey, and uh, I tried to buy ice cream for her and my brother-in-law and a few of her children. I thought she was going to punch me or kick me in the shins. I mean, she, she is sacrificing her life for the sake of the gospel. If you're watching this, sis, I'm sorry. Uh, but it was so hard for her to receive an ice cream cone like five ice cream cones, because she has built her whole life around serving other people. And what I blurted out in this uh, little ice cream store was, like I put my arm around her and I was like, hey sis, you can only pass on as much grace as you receive. And that totally shut her up. <laughs> and I won! <laughs> that is not what it's all about. Uh, As I said, if you're a genuinely kind, nice, 
I'll do anything for anybody sort of person, it may be especially harder for you to receive kindness in your direction. (laughs) But spiritually, this is what we all need to do to receive the kindness of God. Now, the story that we've read is from Luke chapter 18. And it is no mistake that on either side of this little story, Luke includes two anecdotes that I think teach us a little bit about the qualities of how to be a good receiver. So earlier in Luke chapter 18, there is this little parable that Jesus tells about two guys praying in the temple. One of them is a jerk. His prayer goes something like, Dear God, thanks that I'm not like the rest of these idiots here, that I'm a really good guy. And then in the back of the church, there is a tax collector who's just pounding his chest and says, just, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, here's what the story is about. Whoever exalts themselves is going to be humbled in the long term, and whoever humbles themselves is going to be lifted up by God. When it comes to being a first-class receiver, the quality of humility is an essential ingredient I know lots of grown-ups who think they're all that. There are not many two-year-olds who are yet convinced there's God, that they are God's gift to anything. Know what I'm saying? They're just little, and they recognize that the whole universe is bigger than them. So they're humble. And that puts them in a posture so that they're able to receive. I know very few kids, two-year-olds, babies, who are running around with giant fat wallets in the back of their diapers. Like, they haven't been convinced they can run the world with their cash or their hard work, right? So they come with just open hands. Food, great. Blanket, great. Warmth, great. Ready to receive. Oh, we grown-ups. I have a handful of my own smarts. I have a handful of my own cash. I have a handful of the giant house that I live in. Thank you very much. I have a hand in... what a handful of, you know, whatever it is that we try to impress other people with, and all of that makes for poor reception of God's grace. Not that we can't attain those things or have those things, but when we run around with a handful of that stuff, we turn into bad receivers. On the opposite side of the story about the babies, Jesus or Luke tells a story about a rich young man who crossed paths with Jesus. And Jesus confirms with him, he's a great Jew. He's following the law. And Jesus says, one thing you still need, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And he can't do it. Like this guy can't do it. His attachment to his great life, his great stuff is too strong. And again, He can't let go so that his hands are open to grab the hand of Jesus. There are not too many babies who are orienting their life around stuff and cash. There are a ton of grown-ups in the western suburbs who are in the spiritual danger zone of orienting life, every breath we take, over our stuff and our cash. 
And God forbid that that would close the door on our ability to receive God's grace and grab Jesus' hand. Jesus is so much more than just talk. I hope we know that. We must, we must know that. In the Gospel of Mark, when Mark tells the same story about the little kids, he adds this beautiful conclusion to the story. Then Jesus took them, the babies, in his arms and began blessing them and laying his hands on them. Jesus talks the talk, let the little children come to me. But then he offers this physical, tangible sign of what really matters to him. This is the essence of what we do when we baptize babies here in worship services. I mean, in the waters of baptism, every time in the church, I believe Jesus is reenacting this very scene in the gospel. He is welcoming small children who don't know enough that they even need Jesus yet. And then our congregation promises at every baptism to be God's agents by receiving these children in love. And then I, as one of the pastors, I get to pretty much do this, lay my hand on this child's head that is still freshly wet with the water of God's adoption and say a blessing over them. I mean, it's no little thing, the sacrament of baptism. We are reenacting Jesus' words and actions. The disciples were convinced that babies, toddlers, little kids, weren't worth the Lord's time. In our community, I hope and pray, and I believe we are, convinced of exactly the opposite. If anyone is deserving of our time and attention... It is the smallest among us. They are the most deserving of the Lord's time. We like to say there are four things that matter most to us, values at Elmhurst CRC. The first one I always mention, and if anybody asks you, hey, what's your church all about? I would encourage you to say, little kids, the best thing we do at our church is this thing called little lambs. I mean, it's, I believe in the bottom of my heart that has been true for now more than four decades. The best thing we do at this church is not what happens for the grown-ups on Sunday morning. It's what happens through the school year for the smallest kids in our midst. We worship together. We hear the gospel together. But our grown-up minds and hearts, I mean, it's hard to shift us around much. But those little ones in Little Lambs, the little ones in our nursery right now, the little ones in children's worship, I mean, they are receiving and absorbing and being formed and transformed in profound and eternally significant ways. And God forbid the day when somebody asks us, hey, what's your church all about? And we would say, hey, we have a great building. Or our music is really quite excellent. What is your church all about? At Elmhurst CRC, the best thing we do is love and teach 
little kids. Ah, we Americans, like those disciples 2,000 years ago, are drawn to grown-ups, especially grown-ups who are powerful, in charge, who like to be in control. Have you met any politicians lately? This is the kind of people we elect, right? Oh, know who else is drawn to these things? God. But it turns out God is actually in control. God is actually in charge. God actually holds all things in his merciful hands. And if God is the one person in the universe who has all that, that makes all the rest of us, no matter how high we rise on whatever human totem pole we evaluate ourselves on, it means that we are poor and powerless and just little children in the school of our great God. I hope this sounds like good news. He is God. You are not. Like, you're off the hook. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to, like, manage a public image online that tells everybody that you have it all together. You can just be a little kid in God's school. Like, that is much more honest than what most of us are projecting about ourselves day to day. And it turns out, like, the more we project that we don't have our stuff all together, it actually is freeing, and we can be more playful and enjoyable in every corner of our life. God is God, and we are poor and powerless children. That is both the bad news and the good news for you today. Uh, I would like to suggest, if this is true, that if God is inviting us to be first-class receivers like little babies, I would invite you to do two things this week to try to lean in to Jesus' words. Uh, the first is this. To find 30 seconds sometime to pray and as a sign to yourself, and maybe if it's at your dinner table with your family members, if you want to be really bold in a restaurant, to let other people know you're a spiritual crazy person, uh, to show your spirit that you are a little kid, do what little kids do when they walk beside their parents who are so much bigger. And just reach your hand up. Don't need words, but it says, I'm a little kid and I'm reaching up to you, God, because I need your presence. I need your mercy. I can't get it on my own, so here's my empty hand. I got nothing. That's assignment number one. If you would take that one on. Assignment number two. Uh, if you could find a little kid, maybe in your house, maybe your grandchild, uh, maybe in your neighborhood, and if you could just do something kind for them. It doesn't have to be a big thing. For 30 seconds, just put your hand on their shoulder and tell them they're a great kid. If you're related to them, pick them up and give them a big squeeze and tell them how much they mean to you. Like, they probably will receive that. You know, just give them something good that they can receive. So homework number one, 
30 seconds of prayer, stretch your arm up, just be God's little kid. Homework number two, find a human little kid and do something little or big or simple or extravagant that they can receive to let them know they are loved. Their little mind, their little heart will accept that and receive that. Oh God, by your grace, we are all your little children. Help us to stop being too clever or too successful, to stop putting in all the time and effort to let other people know that, and give us the freedom and joy that comes from reaching out to you, from receiving your grace, and simply being your children. And Lord, please help us as a church to keep being faithful, orienting our congregation, our life, our resources, our volunteer time among the very ones that you received so many years ago, the little kids, the toddlers, and the babies. And we trust, God, that if we do that, you will make a world of difference uh, for good because this congregation exists to follow in your footsteps. We pray in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Um, I'm going to invite the deacons forward. All right. And uh, invite you to be generous. Um, One way of thinking about an offering is like, oh, I'm really giving till it hurts. I would like to suggest that if we really are all just poor and powerless children, we are giving what we don't have anyways, because, you know, God's given it. It's the right thing to do to give the first and best back. Um, Ty is going to sing a great song to us about being, not being too big for our britches, actually. Yeah.